0: How's everybody doing? Good. So we are the last people here tonight. This is the final service of the evening. My understanding is with that being the case, we can just stay here through till the morning. Is that cool? So, okay, good. Way more people said yes than I thought. Some people must have some wrapping to do and things. You want to stay here. Uh, we're here to celebrate Christmas, and, and when Tim first asked me to, to do the 9 o'clock service, which had kind of gone between 9 and 10 and different times, uh, I was really excited because I've never actually had the chance to preach on Christmas Eve before. And, and it's kind of a big deal, obviously, because this is one of the two big days of the year that, that really reminds us why we're Christians, why we're here, period. The other obviously being Easter. But, but on Christmas... Jesus came to earth, and we heard the Christmas story in such a wonderful way earlier. I'm going to read it from the Bible in a little bit, but it's important to take a moment sometimes and to actually think about that sentence, to actually think about this story. And so as I read it, uh, you you have heard it so many times. You heard a version of it earlier. You've heard it if you came to the other services. Uh, You've probably heard it this week, read it, seen it. As she said, it's on cartoons. It's on TV shows. You see it all of the time. But one of the things that that I feel is important to point out in taking a moment to look at it is these are real people. Uh, The last couple weeks in youth, I talked about Mary and Joseph specifically and how they were young kids uh, who, who were given this amazing responsibility, but also this gift and how God chose them because of their faith to bring about the greatest gift that all of us could get. And so as I read this, don't just hear the words in the wonderful poetry that it kind of comes out as but hear them as events that actually happen to actual people, people like us. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. This is a story we know. This is the story we've heard Hundreds, hundreds, maybe even millions of times by now. It's an amazing story. It's the important story. It's the reason not only that we're here tonight, but that we're Christians, period. Because God chose this moment to come to earth as a human, fully God, fully human, to to give us this experience of, of realizing, wow, he loves us so much, so much that he sent his son so much that he would become like us. So that we could see his example every day. And we know that he came to sacrifice himself ultimately. But also, this was the beginning of him living a life where day by day, we could look to his example and say, hey, he he felt what we feel. He dealt with what we deal with. We can look to him and say, wow, we serve a God that understands, that loves us. And that is the most important part of the story. There's no way around that. And that's what we celebrate. And that's what we should celebrate. But as I said, with Mary and Joseph, they're also a part because they're the normal people in the situation, the people who who were hated, who were unbelieved, who were made fun of. But there's somebody else that's mentioned briefly. And and so I want to talk about him just before I get to the crux of my message, and that's Augustus. Now, I know that everybody who came here tonight is like, I hope that he gets into Roman history, because that is what really gets me into the Christmas spirit. And, And so I know that. I know there's one person in here that thinks that, but... Uh, Augustus was originally named Octavian, and he was with Antony and Lepidus in the Triumvirate. They came after Caesar, Julius Caesar. They, they, They led Rome through a pretty important age when it was a republic, and then Augustus became the ruler. He eventually took Rome from being a republic to an empire, and this is kind of where we get to understand how Rome was the biggest empire ever, and he had all of this power. And so it's easy to think, wow, I bet that he was a jerk. He was actually a pretty good ruler. Uh, He he obviously wasn't a Christian because that didn't even exist yet. He wasn't a follower of God, so he had flaws, but he was very skillful in leading. He understood how to to talk politics. He understood how to to help people. He understood how to listen, how to, to speak, how to rule. He understood all of that stuff. He brought a period of prosperity to Rome, money, peace. Now the peace came from killing everyone else, but they had peace. And so he brought all of that. And he was able to do that. He was able to take that power. He was able to to become what he was because everyone wanted a savior. We see this all of the time even now with every single election. Uh, As we go to a presidential election next year, I can tell you exactly how everything will go regardless of party. Because we'll start out the year, oh, I don't like any of these people. I can't stand it. And then as we get to that moment where we cast the ballot, we're going to talk ourselves into one or the other, a couple, and be like, okay, this is where it's going to change. This is where everything's going to be better. This is where America is going to be what it's supposed to be. And we all think that, and so people thought that then. They're like, okay, I'll guess this. Let's give him more power. He can do this. We need a savior. We need help. We need change. But no matter how good of a ruler he was, no matter how powerful he was, One of his big things here was to, hey, let's have a big census. But that was all part of God's plan. Because no matter how powerful he was, how much of a ruler he was, he was never in charge of God. No matter who is in charge of whatever, God is who we answer to. God is who is in control. There is only one Savior, and it's not a human. And so that's where this story turns. Because if this were a book written by Dickens, like The Christmas Carol or something. And don't worry, I'm not going to get into literature now. But if this were just a book, if this were just a story, it would all hinge on Augustus because he was a popular guy. He was a powerful guy. He was an important guy. And so he would have found a young boy who, who changed his heart like Tiny Tim, who helped him to be a better ruler, helped him to find himself. If it were a, Hall, it were a Hallmark movie to take place in a gazebo and all of these different things. <laughs> Got to be careful. If you're a Hallmark crowd, you're gonna not like that. But. It would have been about him. Most authors would write about Augustus, about the powerful, about the popular. And that's where everything would have happened. But God knew that there was more to everything. And he knew that most people were not like that. He knew that Augustus was no one's savior. That Jesus would be the savior. And so he looked to the regular people. He looked to the outcasts. He looked to the people who weren't in charge. The people who who were scared for their lives sometimes. The people who lived daily lives who worried about money, who worried about their home life, who worried about what people thought of them. And he looked to them and he said, I want my Savior to be a part of this, to give them the light from within, to show them. And so we go to the first group, besides Mary and Joseph, that that he told about this Savior. In verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. These were just shepherds. They were regular people. Shepherds were actually thought of as outcasts, as, as worse than everybody else, as less than They weren't even allowed to to, uh, talk in court, to, to present a case, to be witnesses. Because they were considered unreliable. Not because they lied, because they didn't, but because they were dirty, because they were smelly, because they were normal, and because they weren't educated enough. Because they didn't fit in. Because people looked at them and they didn't see Augustus. They didn't see the glory of Rome. They just saw people who lived in fields and took care of sheep. Now, now, a lot of the sheep that they took care of were for the temple. They were sacrifices, lambs to be sacrificed, which is such a cool thing, because Jesus. But shepherds were no one's idea of an important part of a story. Shepherds were nothing to so many people. And God saw them. He saw them where no one else did. He chose them to get the news first. He had unlimited options in the entire world and take aside the fact that that Mary and Joseph were normal, he looked to people who were considered less than Mary and Joseph and said, hey, I don't care that you can't witness in court. You can witness for me. I don't care what the world thinks of you. I don't care who the world thinks is their savior. You will have someone. You will find the light. You will find the truth. Now, from our experience, from our perspective, We see that and it's like, wow, that's that's amazing. God loves regular people. God has a place for regular people. God has a plan for regular people. And that's absolutely true. But if you look at it from their perspective, put yourself in the mind of the shepherd, the outcast, the person who was considered stupid, who was considered dirty, who was considered smelly, who people would walk around because they didn't want to be near them. From their perspective, The most powerful being in the universe, the most important event of all time, was being given to them. No one cared what they thought, but God did. No one was their ruler. Augustus didn't care about them. But God looked at them and said, hey, you guys matter. And so for the rest of their lives, no matter what they went through, no matter what happened, they would remember this moment, this moment where God saw them, this moment where being an outcast did not matter. Their perspective changed forever. They felt as if they finally had worth. It's a powerful thing. You see, whereas Rome and the whole world was looking for a savior and they were looking to Augustus, they were looking to power. They were looking for help in that way. The shepherds were also looking for a savior. But in politics then, just as now, the leaders don't care about anybody that's not in their base, that's not in their electorate, that can't give them money. And so nobody cared what the shepherds thought. Augustus didn't send troops down there to say, hey guys, uh, you're really dirty and smelly. What do you think we should do with Rome tomorrow? Nobody cared. But God did. And so they were looking for a savior too. They were looking for hope. And maybe it was about beating out of them. But they knew Augustus wasn't theirs. And then this moment happened. The angels came and it's like, hey... Don't be afraid, which, you know, if an angel appeared in here, church is a good place for it. and would probably be like, oh, this is an angel. But if it happens in your home, if it happens on the way home, if you're driving out of here, and please take cupcakes as you leave. If you're driving out of here and everything's dark around you and all of a sudden this army of angels appears in front of you, no matter how Christian you are, you're going to be a little scared, right? Because it's not something we face every day. And so the shepherds are like, well, what's happening? And so they felt that fear, and that's why the angel said it to them. But the angels promised them something different. Whereas Augustus and other leaders, they wanted money. They wanted votes. They wanted whatever. They're like, hey, guys, there's a Savior that's here now. A Savior who is born, a a person born in crazy, normal, less than normal circumstances. And he just wants your heart. He doesn't care about your money. He doesn't care about how smart you are. He just cares about who you are. He sees you. And that's such an amazing thing. And it's true for them. It's true for us. I want to go to verse 13. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The shepherds basically went from being outcasts, kept out in the fields, kept away from everyone else, to being a part of the most impressive, most amazing, most holy worship service of all time. Now, now we have wonderful musical talent here that, that's been playing and singing. And it's kind of, I've been sitting there watching as everybody's kind of running back and forth and I'm just sitting there. Because I don't really have musical talent. But that's nothing compared to what the angels must have been like. The holy voices singing out about a Savior being born. The holy voices singing out in this amazing outpouring of love, of hope, of just things that weren't seen before. This wasn't something that would even be in the paper the next day. This wasn't what happened. This was a miracle, as a miracle bigger than this was happening. And so the shepherds, who nobody cared about, were now a part of something more. Something huge, something special. They were a part of worship. And the host of angels. This isn't like the precious moments, little ceramic things that that my great-grandma used to keep. And they're cool. I definitely never broke any on accident. But these are the host, heavenly host. These are warriors. Angels are warriors. They're impressive to see. And they're singing with the shepherds. They're not there saying, hey, you guys better listen because we don't care about you. They're saying, hey, you're a part of something now. You're with us. You're God's creation. And God has a the gift for you. And that's why we're here tonight. Because of this. Because of in most ways, the shepherds are the first disciples. Because of this gift. Because of this appearance. And we all come here from different places. We all come here from different cities, maybe. I still don't understand how Ohio does things. I can be in Hamilton, Fairfield, Liberty Township, and Westchester at the exact same moment. And my mail gets lost no matter what. And so I don't understand this, but I know that we all come from different areas and we all have different houses, probably. I assume you guys don't all live somewhere else together. If you do, that's going to be a major Christmas party, I'd imagine. But we're here for him. We're here for the same reason that the shepherds were there. We're here because God appeared to outcasts. He appeared to normal people. He appeared to to people that weren't like Augustus. Now, Augustus had a chance at salvation too. But he knew that that's where the hope lied. That's where the wonder would be accepted. That's where things could really start. Going to verse 16. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I, I have this set aside because it's such a cool thing, because it shows another reason why the shepherds were chosen. Now, God could have done this in a million different ways. He, he could have had Jesus born to Augustus' family, born to, to somewhere in Greece, to somewhere even in the New World, which wasn't even the New World yet. He could have had him born somewhere to, to be a, a popular, powerful, rich person that everybody would be like, wow, he's got a megaphone and he's got a microphone and he's there. We see him every day and everybody would know his name. And he could have done that right away. And people would have listened. They were like, uh, well, you know, he's, he's legit, but it's just another, guy, another rich guy telling us what to do. He could have done it in so many different ways. He could have gone to the wise men first. Now the wise men saw the sign. But it took a couple years to get there. He could have prepared them and said, hey, you guys, you're impressive. You're intellectual. You're smart. You got to get there. But he came to the outcasts. Now, that doesn't mean that none of the rest of the people are important because he's for everyone. But he came to the people who felt like they had nothing to show them that, in fact, they have Everything. And so where the wise men saw the sign and they knew, OK, we got to go. And so they started going, but they had to to work out a plan and, and talk to the king and figure out how to get there and work all these things out. Find gifts. You know, he a lot of other people probably saw the signs. Other people may have even seen what happened in the field. I would imagine had he sent angels to Augustus, Augustus would have been like, eh, I might send somebody to check this out, but I'm going to see where this goes. You know, if it happened to a politician today, I'd be like, well, I'm going to put together a panel to put together a panel to put together a panel to discuss this sometime down the line. But the shepherds, they heard and they went. That was it. They didn't stop and say, hey, what do you think about that? Hey, let's go do this first. Hey, let's go check home. Let's go find out what we're supposed to do. Let's change our clothes. They're like, hey, God told us to go. Let's go. What a lesson that we see from from these outcasts of society from these outsiders from these people that no one cared about we see that because the world thought they had nothing that they were ready to leap at this chance for more this chance for hope this chance to be a part of something amazing something special they didn't waste any time they didn't hesitate they didn't make excuses now, it wasn't easy for them to go, even to go this short distance, because they had lives, they had jobs, they had things they had to do. It easily could have gone like, hey, you know, how about you guys go? I've got to stay here, I'll watch the flock, or, or, or you know, I've I got to get home, I'm supposed to, to clean up before dinner, we've got a, a, a party coming next week. You know, we've got to go to the family tomorrow for, for not Christmas because it didn't exist yet. You know, we got to do this. We do this. We have this all the time. All of us have been in the situation where, where we get a call for something. And it's like, ah, you know, I really want to be there, but I, I just can't. I have this. Life gets in the way, and it happens. And it's valid. But when God called, everything else fell away, and the shepherds went. Because they knew that was the most important thing. They knew He is the most important thing. So they didn't wait for tomorrow. They simply said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will go. And really, that is probably one of the main differences between the outsiders and the in crowd. Now, shockingly, growing up, I wasn't the most popular kid in the school. No, I wasn't a complete nerd. I am now. But I wasn't in the popular crowd and the cool crowd. I cared what they thought because I was a person. Everybody here cared what people thought at school. We care what people think now. Before the service, I was walking around, you know, holding my scripture, not even looking at it, just holding it because osmosis, apparently. Because I get nervous before I speak, because I am still that outsider from school who who was scared of everyone else, still that outcast who's terrified of public speaking. And so when God first called me to be a pastor, I'm like, whoa, are you sure because I, I, I fake being sick to get out of presentations. I can't do that in church. People will notice if I'm sick every single Sunday. Sometimes. And I still feel that way sometimes. Because once you are on the outside, you always kind of carry that feeling with you. And yet, I looked at things like this, and I listened to God, and I'm not special. But I listened to him and I said, okay, this doesn't make any sense to me. But it doesn't have to make sense to me. And so I'm going to try. And every single time I go to speak, I feel that same nervousness. I do. Now, to me, I like that. I don't like it, but I like it. Because it means I care. If I ever don't feel that way, you know, I'm going to have to check my thing. But that's a part of my process to feel that nervousness. To feel like an outcast, to feel like an outsider, to wonder if some of you guys brought like tomatoes that you're going to throw at me at a certain point. Rob, keep your hands down. To think like that and then to stand here and say, "Okay, God, help me to allow you to speak through me. That's my prayer every single time right before I step up every single time. And I will never see myself as anything other than that. Because I know I'm nothing without him. Now there are people who are amazing speakers. Who who are born with the the gift to to just sell paper bags to a paper bag store. I ain't got nothing. They're born with the the ability to just talk anybody into, into anything, to sell anything to convince everyone that they're awesome, all of these things. Again, presidential elections come up. You're going to hear a lot of promises. You're going to hear a lot of people who are really good at speaking. And a lot of people who are really good at speaking, they don't let God speak through them. Not everybody. A lot of people still do. And so we look at the shepherds, and we think about things like this, and we, we see, wow, So they were on the outside. And because they were on the outside, because they had nothing to lose, they were able to accept everything. Had they been rich? Had they been powerful? Had they been popular? Maybe they say, "Ah, let's wait till tomorrow. Because, you know, I've got bills to pay. I've got things to do. None of those things are bad. But because they were outsiders... He called them and they came. When you have everything that you need, more than that, when you have everything that you want, you can feel comfortable. Now, I'm not telling you that that if you have enough money and you feel comfort that you should give away all your money and go away. I'm not saying that at all. If you want to give me your money, I'm cool with that. I'm fine being comfortable. What I'm saying is that often when we have everything, we find that we don't really seek anything else anymore. One of the things that you'll see is a lot of the churches in other countries, some of the poorer countries, they're exploding right now. And people are going to church all of the time. They're going to church for like 24-hour services like we're having right now. I'm scaring you a little bit now. And in America, we have some big churches. But there are also a lot of churches that don't have very many people in them. And it's hard for them to keep the doors open. So obviously the spirit is there in in each place. But what's different? Well, in a lot of the countries that don't have any money, they don't care when the Bengals play because they don't have a TV. Now, we don't care when the Bengals play because they don't win, but same thing. But when you have things, the more you have, the more you have to lose. And so the harder it is to kind of be able to drop things at a moment's notice. And so the shepherds are first because they didn't have anything to drop. Because nobody cared about them. Now I'm not saying if you're comfortable, then, then you're not a real Christian. That's not at all true. Because we learn through Christ, we learn through that relationship, that no matter how much we have, no matter how much we provide for our families, He is at the center, and that's what we build it around, and that's why we're blessed. But we're also still, even in America... We're outsiders. Christians are never going to be the majority because it's kind of hard to be a Christian. Now, going to church is one thing. Being in a 9 o'clock service, that's something. Listening to me talk, that's hard. But then you have to give money to the church. You have to go each week. You have to be kind to people. Even people that are jerks. Even people that cut you off twice on the interstate. That happened to me yesterday. We have to be kind to them. That's hard. And so it's easier to say, eh, whatever. But we have Him, and we have this story, and we have this moment where the shepherds are like, hey, God is here, and that's where I want to be. Because as outcasts, because of our faith, because of the way we live, We understand that we need Christ more than anything. That comfort is good, money is good, but that we need Him. And so we have that hope for Him. We live every day hoping for Him. We care about Christmas because it's a hope of a brighter tomorrow. That's why we're here. And that's why the shepherds were there. I want to go back to verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. When they walked in there, they had some idea of what to expect, but not really everything. And so they see this normal baby. Honestly, probably a little dirty because it's in a manger. And they see these people who are exhausted. These young people who are exhausted, who who are worn out, who are sleeping in the hay. And they see animals, they smell animals. Now they're used to that, but still. But they see this glow. Maybe literal, maybe not, but they see this baby there. And they immediately realize, wow, this is why we're here. And if you took the monetary value and the land holdings of everyone in that room, it's possibly less than zero. These aren't the, the, the Roman elite in this room. It's shepherds who have no money. It's Mary and Joseph who are young, have no money, no friends. And it's a baby. And yet that was the most holy place in the history of time. The money didn't matter. The things didn't matter. All that mattered was that baby, that Savior. And they knew this is what we've been waiting for. This is the hope. The first people to see Jesus had basically no property. They had no popularity. They had no standing. They had nothing but Him. They only had a desire for more, for Him, for hope. And Jesus, as I said, could have come as a rich ruler. He could have come as a powerful force. But He came in this way to show that we can make a difference. That people see the heart. That He sees the heart. That He makes a difference in everyone. He came on the outskirts as an outcast so that everyone could realize that they belonged. Everyone belongs to Him. All you have to do is accept Him. There's no better deal. And then the cool thing, one of the most amazing things about the shepherds, remember back at the beginning, when I first started talking, about how... Courts wouldn't allow them to come and testify. They wouldn't allow them because nobody cared about their witness. They were like, "We don't trust them. They're not smart enough." They went out, as I said, like the first disciples. Every single person they met, they talked about Jesus. They said, "Wow, well, you got to hear about our night." And some of those people were probably like, yeah, "Yeah, whatever." But some of those people, like that, this, they're different. I see a difference in them. I see a hope in them that I've never seen before. They they sound so changed. Because that is how God moves through normal people, through all of us. And they went and they told everyone. And in the future, whenever they were made to feel like outcasts, whenever they were made to feel like they didn't matter, they would remember this moment. They would remember that they did belong, that they did matter. Because what God thinks is all that matters. And that is why we are here. That is who we are. And then it says Mary kept these things in her heart. Mary was absolutely an outcast. We've had 2,000 years to know this story. And to say, "Yes, yeah, she, she was a virgin. She, she gave birth. She's holy. She helped in a miracle. But back then, I guarantee most people were like, yeah, she's lying. You know what people say today about people, especially women, what they say about Women. And so Mary probably got hit hard. Her family may have cut her off. Her friends probably cut her off. There was a point right after uh, Joseph was was told about this that he was going to let her go quietly. Now God reached him and Joseph believed. She was absolutely an outcast. And so she held these things because her and Joseph, who had been considered outsiders, who had been considered liars probably, They had this group of people that nobody cared about come and say, wow, your baby's special. Thank you. That's something. That's something. It's hope. And she held that. Joseph held that. The shepherds held that. We hold that. I look out and I see a lot of people that are with their families, and that's awesome. I also see a lot of people who aren't, who are with their friends, or who are alone. And that's also awesome. Now Christmas has, is something, we think of it as something for families, for loved ones, for, for people to get together and, and, and give gifts, for people to give together and, and have fun. But it's something for everyone. It doesn't matter if you have a family, you don't have a family. Because we're all part of God's family. And Christmas... Tomorrow, you'll probably have presents and food and gatherings, and that's all good. If you guys brought me presents, food, and whatever, that's cool. I'll accept it after service. I accept credit cards, just check. All of that is good, and I hope you enjoy that tomorrow. I do. I hope that you all are with your families or your friends or whoever, and as you're giving gifts and getting gifts, you're thinking, this is good. But that's not what it's all about. And so if you have a family, you have somewhere to go tomorrow, take some time and say, you know what? Let's remember what it was like to be the shepherds. Let's remember what it was like to have nothing but hope. Let's remember Jesus. Let's remember the people that don't have any gifts today. Let's remember the people that that, that don't have anywhere to go. And stop and pray, stop and talk, whatever. And if you're someone who doesn't have anyone to spend Christmas with, and I've been there. That does not matter. Because you are special. And you matter. And you are a part of something. It doesn't matter what what people say about you, what people think about you. If you feel like an outcast, I get that. Sometimes you can feel like that even in a room of family, in a room of friends. But the same Savior who came to those shepherds and gave them a different path is here for us tonight. That's why we're together tomorrow. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we had five services, six services, a certain amount of services. That's why we are here. Because Jesus came as a poor baby to poor people who nobody cared about in front of this group of outcasts, this group of outsiders, this group of of people that nobody cared about in order to tell everyone that you are loved, that you are cared about, that you are enough, that you matter. And so whatever your situation tomorrow, whatever your situation the next day, he is there for you. You have a role just as the shepherds did. You have an identity just as the shepherds did. So celebrate him however you can. But not just tomorrow. Don't just remember him tomorrow. Remember him on the 26th and the 27th, when you go back to work, back to school. Show everyone who Jesus is, why we celebrate Christmas all of the time. Because we're all outsiders. But we serve a God who brings us to the inside. That's all I got.